We have breaking news for you. Something that I don't think the mainstream media is going to tell you. Uh, and you will find out their reason for not telling you. We know who the whistleblower is. You are not going to believe it. We do that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Pat. Pat. Yes. I have the name of the whistleblower. I have the name of the whistleblower today. And see if you... See if you can figure out why they're doing everything they can to keep this man's name out of the press. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, this is according to Real Clear Investigations and Paul Sperry. He says more than two months after the official file uh, was uh, was filed by this uh, complainant, pretty much all that is known publicly about the whistleblower is that he's a CIA analyst who at one point was detailed at the White House and is now back working at the CIA. The name of the government official that fits that description is one. I'm just going to call him Eric for now. He's been raised privately in impeachment depositions, according to officials with direct knowledge of the proceedings, as well as with one open hearing held by the House committee not involved in the impeachment inquiry. Fearing their anonymous witness could be exposed, Democrats have blocked Republicans this week from asking any questions about him and intend to redact his name from all deposition transcripts. They fear for his life, you see. Real, Real Clear Investigations is disclosing the name uh, because of the public interest in learning details of an effort to remove a sitting president from office. Further, the official's status as a whistleblower is complicated by his being a hearsay reporter of accusations against the president and one who has an arguable political bias in favor of a rival political candidate. Arguable? N- now, now <laughs> let's just listen. Mm-hmm. Okay, federal documents reveal that the 30-year-old man, a registered Democrat, a holdover from the Obama White House, previously worked for Vice President Joe Biden, but also former CIA Director John Brennan. He was a vocal critic, uh, vocal critic of Trump, and he helped initiate the Russia collusion investigation of the Trump campaign during the 2016 election. Furthermore, Mr. Charamella, just go ahead and throw that out, left his national security posting in the White House West Wing in mid-2017 amid concerns about negative leaks to the media. He has since returned to the CIA headquarters in Langley. So remember when they were looking for all the leaks from the White House? This is not only the whistleblower. He was the source of the leaks. He was accused of working against Trump and leading and leaking against Trump, says a former NSC official speaking on the condition of anonymity to discuss intelligence matters. Also, he huddled for guidance with the staff of House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff 
including former colleagues also held over from the Obama era, whom Schiff's office has recently recruited and hired from the NSC. Charamella worked uh, with a Democratic National Committee operative who dug up dirt on Trump during the campaign during the 2016 election. Now, Pat. So far, it's bad, right? Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah think so. so far, it's bad. It seems bad <laughs> for Democrats. And, and it's, it's not surprising they wanted to keep him anonymous. Right, because he was the leaker at the White House. Yeah. He's an Obama holdover that worked for Joe Biden. Yeah. Right? Democratic <clears throat> operative. Well, well, he worked with the DNC, a DNC <laughs> operative that dug up dirt on the campaign Mm -hmm. uh, during the 2016 election on Donald Trump. Now, who do you think that might be that he worked with? He worked... uh, He was the one who invited this DNC operative into the White House for meetings, says former White House colleagues. The operative that he worked with was Alexandra Chalupa, (laughs) an Ukrainian-American who supported Hillary Clinton, who led the effort to link the Republican campaign to the Russian government. He knows her. He had her in the White House, says one former co-worker who requested anonymity. So I don't think you could get any worse than this. Um, unless you're looking at reality, because it does get worse from this. <laughs> now, only people who have watched our specials know who Alexander Chalupa is. She is critical. She is a critical piece. And wait, wait until I show you what the press has done to protect her. Documents confirm that the DNC opposition researcher attended at least one White House meeting with him in November 2015. She visited the White House by his request with a number of Ukrainian officials lobbying the Obama administration for aid for Ukraine. We know what that meeting was really all about. If you watched our special, that meeting at the White House, they were, yes, coming in for aid, but they had been flown in by the Obama administration under the guise of, Hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna teach you with the DOJ how you should do your job and fight corruption. But first, they were taken to the White House, where mm. those who were in that meeting left that meeting saying, "We're only brought here to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. That's what we're doing. They they just want us to go find dirt on Donald Trump." <laughs> he was the guy who called that meeting together. By the way. With his name long under wraps, interest in the intelligence analyst had become so high that a handful of former colleagues have compiled a roughly 40-page research dossier on him. Classified version of the document is circulating on Capitol Hill now, and briefings have been conducted based on it. One, uh, One briefed Republican has been planning to unmask the whistleblower in his speech on the House floor. On the Internet, meanwhile, his name for weeks has been bandied about on Twitter feeds and intelligence blogs. Everyone knows who he is. CNN knows. The Washington Post knows. The New York Times knows. Congress knows. The White House knows. Even the president knows, says a former CIA analyst and national security advisor who has fielded dozens of calls from the media. Yet a rare hush has swept across the Potomac. 
They're hiding him. They're hiding him because of political bias. A CIA officer specializing in Russia and Ukraine, uh, Caramella, was detailed over the National Security Council from the agency, from the CIA, in the summer of 15. He worked for Susan Rice, (laughs) President Obama's national security advisor. He also worked, quote, closely with the former vice president. Federal records show that Biden's office invited Caramella to an October 2016 state luncheon when the vice president hosted the Italian prime minister. The guests included Brennan, as well as the then FBI director, James Comey. (laughs) Several U.S. officials told Real Clear Investigations that the invitation was extended Caramella uh, a relatively low-level GS-13 federal employee, and it was unusual, but it was meant to signal that he was politically connected inside the Obama White House. Former White House officials say Caramella worked on Ukrainian policy issues for Biden in 2015 and 2016. Whoa, wait a minute. So he was Joe Biden's point man? When Joe Biden was firing Shokin and all of that stuff was going on? Shut up. He was held over into the Trump administration and headed the Ukrainian desk at the NSC, eventually transitioning into the White House. The official added that it soon became clear among NSA staff that Carmela opposed the new Republican president's foreign policies when it came to Ukraine. My recollection uh, recollection of Eric is that he was very smart and very passionate, particularly about Ukraine and Russia. That was his thing. He didn't exactly hide his passion with respect to what he thought the right thing to do with Ukraine and Russia. And his views were at odds with the president's policies. Caramella went outside of the chain of command in May 2017, according to a former NSC worker who sent an email alerting another agency that Trump happened to hold a meeting with Russian diplomats in the Oval Office the day after firing uh, Comey, who led the Trump-Russia investigation. Listen to this. The email also noted that President uh, Vladimir Putin had phoned the president the week earlier. Contents of the email appear to have ended up in the media which reported Trump boasted to the Russian officials about firing Comey, whom he alleged called a real crazy nut job. In effect, Carmela helped generate the Putin-fired Comey narrative. According to the research dossier making the rounds in Congress, a copy of which has been obtained by Real Clear Investigations, Caramella alleged, uh, allegedly argued that President Putin suggested to President Trump to fire Comey. In the days after the firing of Comey, this presidential action was used to further political uh, and media calls for the uh, stand-up of the special counsel to investigate Russia collusion. In the end, uh, counsel Robert Mueller found no conspiracy between Trump and Putin, Carmela's email is cited as a footnote in the report. So this is the guy who was the was not just the whistleblower. He's the source of most of the leaks coming out of the White House. Yep. He was working with Alexander Chalupa, who the media is saying didn't even work for the DNC. That what meeting? Those meetings didn't happen. 
White House logs show that it happened. He's the guy who invited her into the White House. He's also the guy who started the Putin-Trump collusion firing Comey, which was completely debunked. I can't imagine why this guy might not want his name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, one more thing. The whistleblower filed an urgent report against Trump with the IC Inspector General on August 12th, but it was not publicly released until September 26th. But prior to the filing, he had met with Schiff's Democratic staff for, quote, guidance. At first, the California lawmaker denied the contacts, but later admitted that his office did, in fact, meet with the whistleblower early on. Earlier, Schiff had recruited two of Caramella's closest allies at the NSC, both of whom were Obama holdovers to join his committee staff. He hired one of them just before the whistleblower and his information was released to the press. During closed-door depositions taken in the impeachment inquiry, this guy, Misko, has been observed handing notes to the lead counsel for the impeachment inquiry. Daniel Goldman, as he asked questions of Trump administration witnesses, officials with direct knowledge of the proceedings, told Real Clear Investigations. Republicans participating in the restricted inquiry hearings have been asking the witnesses about Caramella and repeatedly injecting his name into the deposition record, angering Schiff and the Democrats, whose sources say are planning to scrub references of him from any transcripts of any hearings. Their reaction tells you something, one familiar with the inquiry said. During Tuesday's deposition of the um, uh, NSC official Alexander Vindman, Democrats shut down a line of inquiry by Republicans because they said it risked revealing the identity of the whistleblower. But what Republicans were asking for was whom else Vindman had spoken to about his concerns regarding Donald Trump's call to the Ukraine. Schiff shut this down and apparently a screaming match ensued i don't know i think that ends it i mean should this put an end to it once and for all i think it should well i i actually don't think it should i think another investigation should start and it should start on what's been going on and well this yeah is, this uh, is deep yes. state but uh, this should put a stop to the whole ukraine call thing you're exactly right okay back in just a second Last night's last night's special, we want to thank so many people for watching. I didn't realize that it was Game 7 of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Well, just before we start, somebody mm-hmm. says, you know, this is a stupid day to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? Game 7 of the World Series. Game 7 of the World <laughs> Series. Who won last night? Nationals. Did they really? Yes. It's the first time in history the home team has not won a game in the, uh, you know, the winner of the, nobody won a home game. The visitor won every time. Never I don't like. Before. I don't like the fact that the Nationals won. No, I, I don't, don't know either. Anything don't about either. them other than they're from Washington? Yeah, and they're 
you know, their their fans uh, have been nasty and uh, no. made no bones about it. No. Mm-hmm. In a city of 95% Democrats? Hard they to were, believe, isn't it? Yeah, that's really hard yeah. to believe. I know. Really hard to believe. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you watch that last night? Yes. Wait, you just told me you were watching my special. I no, I mean, you I, in a lot. I was thought I you were talking you about a... your special. Oh, I was watching okay. your special. Were you really? Yes. What What was the thing yes. that stuck out to you? Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, yep, that's what I thought. No, it was it was it was really good. Uh, and we t- we talked about and actually played uh, some very lengthy clips from it last night because you yeah, well, explained it really well. Yeah, and it was hard. Uh, it was it's hard <laughs> to boil this down. But we took the media part, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna play some of those clips, or I'll just give them to you here. You will not yeah. believe what the media is up to. And I think it was, it was, for me at least, it was the most satisfying media takedown of my career. Really? Oh, we had them yeah. dead to rights. I mean, there yes. is no way for anywhere for them to go. Because we went on their fact checks. We fact checked their fact checks. Oh, it was satisfying. You can see that nice. on YouTube or... Uh, my Facebook page, or if you're a subscriber at blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use GB20OFF, you'll save 20 bucks right now. Do it now. Uh, just reading some of the uh, tweets and email that came in after the special last night. Ugh, nice job, Glenn. Always sowing more division and hate. I can hardly stand to be around some old people anymore because they don't believe in science, economics, basic decency due to your garbage. Uh, hmm. Or this one. This hmm. is vile, Glenn. Attacking a private citizen to hold water for criminals. Your logic is broken in general. You're so bad for America. You spread so much disinformation as any bad actor. Uh, the media is responsible for Trump trying to bribe Ukraine. Really, Glenn? The problem is you can't defend what Trump did. And when you can't defend, you deflect with whataboutisms and conspiracy theories. So uh, it seems to have gotten. Watch. It seems to have gotten through the message, <laughs> uh, and that's the problem. And I want to yeah. talk to you about something else. Um, we have uh, Marion Smith on, the executive director of Victims of Communism. Uh, they have just put out their fourth annual report on U.S. attitudes towards socialism, and I want to go through some of these things because there is no way that America survives if we don't turn the tide on this. Uh, Marion, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. So I'm looking through, and I saw some of these reported, but looking through the the real key takeaways <clears throat> from your study, capitalism still favored, uh, you know, more favorably than any other economic system. It's steady at 61 percent uh, from last year. However, the favorability of capitalism is lower amongst Generation Z and m- millennials, around 50 percent. Communism is viewed favorably by by more than th- uh, one in three millennials, up eight points. Fifteen percent of millennials think the world would be better off if the Soviet Union still existed. 
Um, 72% of Americans incorrectly say that communism has killed less than 100 million people in the past 100 years. Uh, A majority of Americans age 35 and under trust themselves more than the community or the government. That doesn't make sense with the rest, does it, Marion? Well, it it, it would seem that the basic instinct um, that you would trust yourself, obviously, um, to look after your your interest as opposed to the government. It sounds like that's a pretty pretty sound statistic there. Um, but it, you're right; it doesn't uh, quite jive with the other findings of this uh, poll. Um, the one in three millennials um, having a favorable attitudes towards communism. That's a real jump uh, from last year, and of course, very concerning. Um, but I think uh, very concerning as well. When asked, uh, you know about voting. Um, 70% of millennials said that they would be likely or extremely likely uh, to vote for a socialist. And the number of of extremely likely, you know, doubled uh, from last year. And uh, the the other finding I think is significant to help explain all this is that 66% of Americans cannot accurately define Marxism, socialism, or communism. And so they don't think of it as the public ownership of the means of production. They don't think of it as the collectivist system that it actually is intellectually and historically. Instead, they've been led to believe like uh, individuals um, such as Bernie Sanders, um, you know, various academics uh, that have presented uh, socialism as more or less the kind of high tax welfare states of Scandinavia. Whereas, you know, as well as I do, those those are not socialist uh, systems. Those are market economies, um, democracies uh, that uh, for many years tried to deliver a high tax welfare state. And in recent years, have actually pulled back on that and implemented more free enterprise policies. So I think it's false advertising in America's political discourse, at least since 2016. Okay, so tell me this though. Now that that it kind of explains socialism because it's it's you know it's it's become popular and people think that it's Sweden. But how do you explain up eight points from 2018? Thirty six percent of millennials say communism is good. Right, it's concerning, and you know, Glenn, we're seeing uh, groups around the country um, organized. Um, and funded and, and active at the local level, um, calling themselves Marxist. Some of them uh, saying they subscribe to, to, to Maoist uh, ideology. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's a group called the Workers' Education Society um, that became very active in St. Louis a few years ago and successfully got some of their members um, elected to senior posts locally and um, in some of the top posts of the Democratic Party there. And we had, you know, patriotic Americans, Democrats in St. Louis, which is overwhelmingly a Democratic town, and they contacted us alarmed at this uh, development. And in response, we went down on fact-finding missions, and and, uh, uh, this month we actually opened a local Victims of Communism commission there in St. Louis to combat some of these uh, efforts. We have billboards up in the city. We've organized various events for the for the local community. And so, you know, I, I have to say that what's reflected in this poll in terms of the normalizing of very violent ideologies, such as uh, communism in this case, that's reflected on, on the streets of American cities. 
So, so help me out with this, Marion. I, I know that you guys, you, you do studies like this. You're, you're constantly watching for communism and these and socialism and these kinds of movements that spring up and kill hundreds of millions of people. Um, and I know that you keep the records. You, you are uh, making sure that the voices of those who actually witnessed these things are recorded and kept. But when you say somebody called your office, I didn't know. What do you, what do you offer? What else do you do in, in communities? Excuse my ignorance. No, sure. So, you know, we are, we are trying to be true to our mission. Uh, which is to educate Americans about the ideology, the history, and the legacy of communism. And our congressional mandate from 1993, even though we're a nonprofit, we do have that congressional mandate, um, you know, a few years after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, it was a bipartisan issue that we should learn the lessons of the Cold War. So that passed unanimously in Congress in 93. But it's also to memorialize the victims. Um, but, you know, we couldn't take our mission seriously if we weren't active and trying to make sure that there are no more victims of communism. Um, domestically, that means alerting the American public so that they understand what's happened in Venezuela recently. And the, these failed ideologies of the last century, you know, have no place in American politics. But it also means supporting, uh, giving a voice uh, platform to dissidents in Venezuela and Cuba and Korea, China. So we're active on the Hong Kong uh, uh, protests, pro-democracy protests. We're supporting uh, Venezuelan dissidents. Um, so we, we, we try to uh, do everything we can to, to make sure that this century doesn't, um, you know, come to be defined um, by this struggle between communist imperialism and, and, and the free world that, that defined so much of the last century. You know, I, uh, Mary and I, uh, when I saw the NFL and what they did in China, and I think this is going to happen with Google and Facebook, I think they're going to look, uh, be looked upon like IBM was uh, with the Nazis as collaborators. Um, it, it, did, did with the you, NBA. Yeah, it's yeah. not NFL, mm-hmm. NFL NBA. Um, and Nike. Do, do, you, do you think that we made progress at all there? Were you optimistic at all when that happened with the NBA that people were standing up, at least some, and saying, hey, 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 wait, that's not cool? Absolutely. I mean, Daryl Morey's tweet, I don't think he meant it this way, but it really was the tweet heard around the world. Um, and it, it uh, you know, sparked a series of events that made it clear to uh, Americans who I don't think were paying attention um, on this particular subject. And, you know, it it seems that millions of Americans, you know, had the right response, which is absolutely not. The Chinese Communist Party is not going to hijack the game of basketball and be a conduit to shut down Americans' free speech in the United States. But, um, you know, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, and the, the leadership of the NBA, their, their immediate response was to come down on Daryl Moore like a ton of bricks, and mm-hmm. he deleted the tweet. And, um, you know, you had others like Steph Curry and Coach Kerr and others uh, coming out and, and essentially parroting a, a propaganda line from Beijing. And as, um, as you are the keeper of history, or one of the keepers of history, you've seen this before, have you not? I mean, doesn't this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, 
This is uh, what we would call useful idiots. You know, you have you have uh, useful idiots, paid agents, um, and and other sort of uh, other sort of uh, roles within the free world um, that helped uh, aided and abetted the Soviet Union. Um, you know, during the Cold War, and that I think um, is surprising a lot of Americans now who are realizing. Uh, just how many tentacles the Chinese Communist Party has in American society, media, sports, uh, business, and politics. And it is going to have to fall to the American people uh, to to rise up and say that we didn't uh, establish and defend this free enterprise system, this republic, uh, with, with much blood and treasure, so that our corrupt business elite could go and make deals with officials from the Chinese Communist Party and sell out American workers and the Chinese people. You can follow Marion at uh, VO Communism, VO Communism. It's uh, victims of communism.org. Uh, Marion, thank you so much for the uh, information and all of the hard work. And thank you for passing on that it was Democrats that actually called you guys into action in uh, St. Louis and said, you got to help us here because it's getting scary. That's right. It's good Thank news. You, Glenn. you bet. Marion Smith. All right. I'm a little upset at my wife today. It's Halloween. I want to dress up as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> well, it seems like you did. <clears throat> I'm wearing a turtleneck. It's not looking to look like right. That. I mean, you're a casual Colonel Sanders today, but so anyway, I want to dress up as Colonel Sanders mm-hmm. and uh, greet the kids at the door with a bucket of chicken. I love that, and uh, just drop a chicken wing in their bags. <laughs> and my wife said, mm-hmm. "You can't do. The neighbors will hate us." And he's like, "They already hate us. What are you talking about? I mean, mm. this is funny. Mm-hmm. It and is. You don't got funny, right?" And so she's threatening to turn all the lights out on the house today. Jeez. But I'm coming home with a bucket of chicken. (laughs) I am going to greet the children at the door. And you do have the outfit, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, right. You look like this and you don't have a Colonel Sanders white suit and bolo tie or, you know, what are the Colonel Sanders tie? I don't know what those are called except the tie that Colonel Sanders wears. Yeah. I got that. I got that. So all you need is the bucket. All I need is a bucket and the chicken, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But now I think, you know, it's like a popcorn ball. Nobody's going to eat it because they don't know where the no, chicken is. No, they won't eat it, but that doesn't change the funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny, so who cares if they eat it? And you it? know what? It'll save us over, <laughs> over the years. Do you know how much money I'll save? Because no kids would ever come back to the door. Right. That's the old man that gives <laughs> out the chicken. <laughs> I'm doing it. You have I'm to do it. it. Yes, I am. I might be. I, I might also. I'm going out with the grandkids, and uh, so we might uh, be stopping by your door. Okay, that'd be well. great. That'd be great. You going out with the grandkids at all? I am. Right. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. What are you going as? A uh, fat white guy. Um, Whoa, there's yeah. nothing scarier in today's right? world than a fat white guy. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Who causes climate change. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all set. You're all set. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're the one. Did you see what Elizabeth Warren said about what she's doing to fight climate change? Yes. She sometimes takes commercial flights. <laughs> That's exactly right? what she said. I mostly, mostly 
yeah. take commercial flights. Uh-huh. Oh, well, well you What about taking up private the, jets? <laughs> you know, I take commercial. Whoa, roll up the sleeves on that one. <laughs> no. Wow, I mostly take private flights. Inc- I mean, a uh, uh, commercial flight. Incredible sacrifice. Oh, how does she incredible do how does she do it Jeez. there's somebody who really believes can you imagine <laughs> saying that with a straight face no that that's what you've done not if you really believe that stuff no you believe we're all gonna die in 10 years you, you uh, don't you don't do that you don't take any flights right you don't take any flights that's what i believe <laughs> I, and they all do yeah oh yeah i mean al gore still takes probably mostly private jets because of his really busy schedule you know, <laughs> he's, he's got a, um, well, he's got a busy schedule. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a, a lot busy, to do. He's busy, got busy a schedule. lot to do. Right. And, uh, I don't have time. I hear the music coming up, so we don't have time to go through <laughs> to all of the dwell. things that he has to, to do. But Pat, just name one real quick. Well, he, uh, you know, he, uh, I mean, it's, he's got the hockey stick presentation. Crap. We're out of time. Yes. That's uh, all we can s- squeeze in. You're listening to Glenn Beck.